0: to cup of cubby blue your series by series check-in for cubs news notes and banter we're the official podcast of bleed cubby blue and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for bleed cubby blue Uh, my name is sarah sanchez and i write about the cubs at bleed cubby blue hi guys
1: i'm andy Cruz vanasek and i talk about the cubs on cup of cubby blue
0: and you're also just like generally awesome at everything. Oh, well thank you.
1: This this is going to be an overly positive podcast, I feel it.
0: <laughs> so, actually, I feel like we should warn people. You are getting like unscripted, unplanned, just like Sarah and Andy are going to rant about the Cubs a little bit. Um mainly because I didn't even have the heart to write a script this week. I was just like I can't. <laughs> I just cannot with this team so we're, we're going to cover a bunch of things we'll talk about this pirate series we'll talk a little bit about the cubs final game on wgn which is tomorrow and i'm a little emotional about it um and we'll talk about some stuff for next season what we'll be talking about in the off season and more but this is about as unscripted as andy and i get <laughs> i'm typically pretty
1: unscripted because like i always tell you i'm not the numbers pe- person so i just kind of off the cuff it just based on what I watch but I'm really excited to hear Sarah unscripted like this is gonna be super fun
0: here we go (laughs) um buckle up buckle up buckle up podcast listeners um no I mean there's not really a lot to say right now I feel like so I was thinking about this today the Cubs have not won a game since social media night
1: yeah I saw that last night and I was like that is brutal (laughs)
0: That is the last time that the Cubs won. And it was when Andy and I were watching the game together and the bleachers at Wrigley and everything was great. And, you know, everything has just kind of come apart at the seam since then. It seems like whatever could go wrong has gone wrong. Whatever magic was needed to win a one run game. None of it has gone the Cubs way. They've lost Chris Bryant to injury. It's been about as rough as one can imagine. I mean, Andy, what are you thinking? I, I know we've both been watching these last few games, and I, I honestly haven't even been tweeting that much. I'm just like I'm kind of at a loss. <laughs> so I have a couple things that I want to say real quick before we
1: get too deep into this. But one is I made the comment I believe on our last last podcast that I really just wanted to see the Cubs have some fun and win a couple games here down the stretch, and um, they have not won any games. <laughs> down the stretch well they also Uh, don't look like they're having fun no and that's what what my next point was going to be obviously people are pissed obviously this is not what they expected this is not how they envisioned the season to go anybody that you've heard with any kind of quotes from the last week and a half you've heard them say we don't know how to handle this because we weren't prepared for this because we did not expect this (laughs) So this is, this is uncharted territory for this group. I mean, if you think about it, really, you know, there's only a couple of the guys on this team have experienced an actual like Cubs losing season or, you know, and I don't want to say losing season because obviously they still had a winning record, but it it feels like, it kind of feels like prior to 2015 um, where in the sense of there's you don't have to worry about having hope because that's gone. I mean, we, we basically were out of it last night when Milwaukee won Um, it's just, it's so very weird because for all the years that we've endured seasons like this, where, and and I'm comparing this season to, to losing seasons to seasons where there was zero hope, zero expectation, not a ton of talent on a roster. And and it's not actually fair to compare that because this is obviously very a very different situation, but it, as a fan in this situation at the end of September with everything that we had thought was going to happen at this point in the season, we're so far away from that now. So obviously we have something to kind of compare it to that is similar in feeling on, on a, at a fan's perspective. It just, I've been there so many times. So this isn't new. What is new is watching these guys who have been so great for the past couple of seasons. Now last season was a little tough at the end, but have been so great for so many seasons, not be smiling, not be having fun, not seeing like the Cubs playoff promos. Like those were the things that I was so excited for the past couple of seasons. And it's really hard to get through a game right now with what is on the field and what's in the dugout and, and just know that, you know, what could have been type thing. It's just really, it's a really tough feeling. And I'm positive because, you know, we have a really amazing core. We have a really, um, obviously a a front office that um, now has been kind of punched in the face and They have to respond in some way, shape or form, you know, but there's a lot of things that we're experiencing as far as lasts, but there's going to be a lot of firsts. So while it's sad and depressing and a lot of things are kind of, you know, um, winding down, there is a lot to look forward to.
0: Yeah, so you said a bunch of things I want to jump off of, but a couple of things I want to I want to really stress first is the windows not closed people (laughs) like. If you look at the Nationals who are going to the playoffs right now, they had a couple of seasons with their same group of guys where they didn't go to the playoffs or they performed really poorly, right? Like the Giants had their whole even year, odd year thing where they would go to the playoffs and then they wouldn't make it at all and or they would win the World Series and then they wouldn't make it at all. The Red Sox do this routinely where they like win the whole thing or go deep in the playoffs and then they do nothing for a year or two. So it is not abnormal for a solid group of guys to have a year where they miss the playoffs and bounce back. And I think if you look at this team and this roster, you see a bunch of position players who are still in their prime, who are still young guys, who are still awesome. I mean, what team would not want Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber? Like that is a solid core of players I purposefully didn't name Chris Bryant there, but obviously Chris Bryant is part of that too. And part of the reason I didn't name Chris Bryant there is because the trade rumors there are really, really interesting. Um, but the that is a solid group of players. That's a good core. And that's before you even talk about the fact that Jason Hayward has really been on the uptick offensively and he's a plus defensive player. Victor Caratini has shown that he is far more than a backup catcher. I mean, this is a good, solid group of players. And I haven't even talked about Nico Horner yet, who can we all just pause and reflect that Nico Horner is freaking awesome, right? So, like, I want to be really clear that not making the playoffs in 2019 doesn't mean that the window is over, and I'm getting a little bit annoyed at some of the Twitter takes that say that it is. I will say that the thing that most concerns me about the Cubs right now is that they both have aging pitching in terms of who their bullpen is and who their starters are. But their pitching is not necessarily set up to succeed with the current ball. And what I mean by that is that if you have a lot of finesse guys who live and die on the corners and they're not getting those calls, you have some problems in terms of what you're going to do and what you can accomplish um, with a ball that basically is going to jump out of the ballpark if you make a mistake three inches one way or the other, right? And so I'm a little concerned that something about the changing of the actual physical mechanics of the game doesn't work particularly well with some of the players that the Cubs send to the mound every five days. I mean, with the exception of you, Darvish, they don't really have a stuff guy in their rotation. Yeah. And you know,
1: w- another bright spot since you bring up his name that I think is something to completely build on because our pitching is aging. Um and not just the rotation, but you know, what we have going on in the bullpen. Yes, we have a lot of young arms, but they are very raw. And I don't know how many of those arms we're actually going to see at the major league level next year, or who can even be successful or productive at the major league level. But you Darvish, I believe has really emerged as um, a good, solid number one pitcher for this rotation. I mean, Kyle Hendricks is right there with him. Don't get me wrong. Both of those two together. And obviously one has an amazing arm with some nasty stuff. I could be describing either of them right there, actually. And then Kyle Hendricks, you have a little bit more of a finesse, like you said, you know, works his way around a zone like, uh, you know, like an actual professor. I mean, it's just amazing to watch. So I really like um, those two as pieces to build off of, because let's be honest, you know, there's, there's, I think honestly, that we're going to see quite an overhaul, um, all the way around, not just in our lineup, but also our pitching too. I mean, there's going to have to be some things done because, you know, uh, what, what was put together for this season just did not work out. And, um, it's definitely, I, I believe will be addressed and probably be addressed in ways that we won't all love.
0: Well, and so I kind I don't know, like this is the part of the postseason and the off-season that always gets to me is sort of the, like, everybody is an armchair general manager. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure. they know what's going on. Like, I, and I, I'm not talking about you and me, I'm talking about like Twitter drives me crazy this time of year. Hey, like, serious time. Like, all of you people out there saying Joe Girardi should manage the Cubs, just stop it. He shouldn't. That's the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh my like, gosh. Joe Girardi is an old school <laughs> rules, don't have a beard, I'll make you shave manager. And the Cubs are the exact opposite of that team. And they will be terrible if Joe Girardi comes in here. So I'm going to need those takes to stop. I'm going to tell you, though, the
1: people that say <laughs> that Joe Girardi needs to manage this team make me feel so smart. Because I knew <laughs> way back when that Joe Girardi should not be managing this team. So thank you, you people that actually think that's a thing, because you make me feel brilliant. So thank you for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine anything worse than, than Joe Girardi Cubs. like, and And frankly... I want to be clear. I'm pretty sure Theo knows that. So I, I don't think that's where they're going, but can you imagine like going from Pedro stroke dress up night to you got to shave Kimbrel? Like, come on, buddy. We're not doing that. <laughs> oh my good Lord. We, Oh God, that would be a hot mess. Hot anyway, mess. But but beyond those takes, it is true that there's going to be some personnel changes. We probably won't like all of them. I, I will say this. And, and Theo has said this before, and I think it's important that, Trades are all about what the return is. So theoretically, nobody is off limits if you get the right return. And and I think that's true. Like, I think that's just being a good general manager. I do think there are certain players that Theo thinks so highly of that he'll never get met on what the return would be, which is why I usually talk about them as they're not going anywhere. Um, like, I, I can't imagine after the last two and a half, three months of work that Kyle Schwarber has put up finally showing – his potential as a true hitter who can use all parts of the park and just absolutely crushing it. If you did not see the statistics that Michael Cerani has been posting recently about Kyle Schwarber, you need to go follow Michael Sarani and you need to check this out because what he's doing right now is out of control. And there's, that's what Theo has believed Kyle Schwarber was the entire time. That's what he believed he was when he drafted him. So the idea that somebody is going to come in with an offer that is going to match that profile of Schwarber seems pretty, that's like a low probability thing to me. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, definitely. And that's the one great thing about um, Cubs Twitter that I will say, and I mean, there's lots of great things. Don't get me wrong. I've made a, a million good friends on Cubs Twitter and it's been An experience like no other but one of the best things that I see about Cubs Twitter is some of the brains behind these handles that put these numbers out there and put these crazy statistics out there listen if Kyle Schwarber and I'm not saying I'm I'm being funny obviously I'm not saying that we're trading him by any means but if Kyle Schwarber was not a trade piece before let Cubs Twitter get a hold of his numbers for the past month and single-handedly we just added value to his
0: trade. <laughs> yeah, for sure, but like here's, but like this is the thing, right? Like what is the return for what Theo believes is the next David Ortiz who is actually hitting like that right now is the is the return like Thor? Are the Mets right. going to give us Thor for Kyle Schwarber? Right. Right. Like I <laughs> Maybe. And if the and if that offer like maybe that's an offer they should listen to, right? But I just I just think most offers are not in that range. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, um, because nobody is gonna
1: value him. I mean, and and know what he has done to be who he is now. You know what I mean? Because the 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 Theo has put a certain amount of belief into the player that he can become. And now that he's there, it's like, do we Put the, put it out there. Like, this is what he is now. This is who he's going to be. I'll listen to offers or ha ha ha. There's no way you can ever come close to what we would want for him. You know what I mean? So it's, to me, it's, it's, it works in both favors, you know, because then if for some reason you're like, no, this is my toy. This is the best toy in the whole store. And you're not even, I'm not even going to share with you that sort of thing. I'm not even going (laughs) to let you look at it. Then, all of a sudden people are intrigued and they're like, well, wait a second. What does he know that we don't know? Or what does, what, you know, what is happening with that toy that we need to have? So, I mean, it works both, both ways. And it's definitely something that I think teams are really going to be paying attention to us over the next few weeks because of the fact that they've seen us struggle here at the end of the season. And they know that this, Roster, whether or not they performed up to expectations this year is jam packed full of talent and right. whether or not we decide to move or who we decide to move or, you know, whatever offers we decide to listen to, there is going to be a lot of teams interested in what we are doing. And that opens a lot of doors for what we can get in as far as the return is concerned.
0: Totally. And and there are going to be days where we're going somebody is going to move that we all really love and it's going to be sad and andy and i will be here for you on twitter and on cup of cubby blue with the reaction but it's i mean clearly there is something about this particular dynamic at this point in time that isn't working another element of that that i kind of wanted to talk about um that responds to something you said a while back and i'm curious what you think about this andy is that I really feel like the whole sense of urgency and stress thing got to this team in ways that they, they made a lot of mistakes that they haven't made in the last couple of years. Um, Mental errors, base running errors, defensive errors. I I forget who tweeted this out. And so I apologize that I can't give them credit right now, but there, there was a tweet that showed the Cubs basically in the bottom for all of these things, just like really basic, like, good fundamentals things and that's weird when you have a team that has so many players that are all-star caliber players And, and all I could think of was the times those things happened, and the times those errors occurred and all of them seemed like stress and compounding related to me it was like oh look we're gonna have seven errors in a game because somebody made an error and now I'm overthinking things and now I'm gonna make an error they'd have like three or four base running errors in a single game and I I just hope whatever they do, whether they bring back Joe or not, that this team gets back to playing without that added level of stress all the time because they look bad when they play that way. <laughs> um yes, I mean okay. So, to answer your
1: question, I think that um as as the majority or the core of this team having been through 2016, having been through 2017, where it was obviously a very slow start and everybody said it was the world series hangover. Um, and then the ups and downs of 2017, the ups and downs of 2018, the ups and a lot of downs of 2019, it's been crazy, right? It's been like, we know what this team is capable of. They did it in 2016. Obviously it's not the same makeup, but the core is there. The front office is there. Um, management for the most part is there. It's one of those things where you don't have to put those things into words. You don't have to say September starts in March. You don't have to say you know the every game counts. You don't have to say those things. Right. These are grown ass men that are playing a sport for a living that most of them have a ring from from a, a season that was a fairy tale. You know, they experienced it. They know that s- that stuff does not happen every season. They know how hard it was to get there that one season. So there's already pressure on them. They're already feeling it. They know what the expectation is. They know what people want from them. They know why they were put together on this team and for what reason and they know that this is a dynasty that may never come to be you know so it's there the pressure is there they know what they're supposed to be doing to put it into words is just a layer that they don't need they don't need that there's so much scrutiny in the media you know outside markets the rivalries within the division, I mean, there's just so much already on top of them. They don't need their front office saying things like, "You know this is we're urgent from day one. This is September starts in March. We don't need that. That's just silly to me. well, and you're and not and it allowing- didn't work what's that?
0: It didn't work.
1: No. Well, and you're not allowing Joe Madden to be the manager that he's prided himself on. He is a little bit more of a laid-back manager. He's somebody that shows up in spring training and like a camper. I mean, he's <laughs> he's very a very chill laid-back guy. And when you're taking away the methodology that he uses to manage these men, then what, I mean, how he was set up to fail from the beginning. Exactly. You cannot expect him to be able to go in and use his style and use what he does well, what he is known for, his quirkiness, his outrageousness, his, his ways of keeping the locker room loose. When you have his bosses barking down the tree that you know, this is not, we're not here for, to play games. You know, this is serious. We're, we're doing serious now. Like it just undermined everything that he had put together and every, you know, the voice that he had with his team, they basically took away from him. So I just, I don't love that they did that. I don't love that that was the approach. I think it showed that there was not a united approach between the front office and management. They're just, it was not, it was not a uniformed approach. And I think that showed from the beginning these players aren't stupid. They know the camaraderie that they have in the locker room and it's not matched outside of the locker room. And that's a really tough pill to swallow when you're trying to do something, you feel like you're working against the people that are supposed to be supporting you and, you know, put you there for a reason. So it just, For me, I just didn't love the way that was handled. I never really spoke on it because, you know, you obviously, if it works, you don't ever want to look like you were the one person that, you know, felt like it was wrong, but it it hasn't worked. Like if you're going to put this team together and you're putting a manager at the head of this team, let him do what he does. You know, let him have his own style and do what he does. And they didn't let him do that. And I really think, he's going to pay the price for that, which
0: is really unfair. I mean, let's be really clear. The Cubs last year won 95 games with a team that is functionally the same team that they put out this year, although this year they had a couple of more pieces that they added. And like Castellanos, way better than Daniel Murphy last year. I don't know if people saw this. Um, If you subscribe to The Athletic, you might have. If you don't, you probably should because it's a great value for your dollar. Uh, so Sharma had a piece that was 10 games that could have changed the Cubs 2019 season. And it's an interesting piece. I mean, I think you could pick more than 10. The Cubs lost a lot of one run or, and or close come from behind games this year. But the thing that really got to me about this piece wasn't so much that, you know, these are 10 games that could have gone differently if only. But it was the quotes from the players in this piece on what happened at the time. And so just to give you an example from this piece on July 27th, the Brewers came back and beat the Cubs five to three in 10 innings. And C-Sheck afterwards says, I've never seen anything like our road wars. Um, The, there's another one where Anthony Rizzo, the Phillies game where the Phillies come back and beat the Cubs seven to five on August 15th. Rizzo's like, yeah, it's number one for sure. It's the worst loss that we've suffered this year. There's another one where Kinsler and this one I thought was really interesting, um, had given, had walked in a tying run on a change up on August 16th. I'm sure we all remember this. He's like, it was so stupid talking about himself trying to deal with that pitch and come back from it. I mean, you have game after game after game here where they're just getting down on themselves <laughs> over small little things. And I, it's, It's sad to see because it's a long season and it's one of those things that you know is going to happen over the course of a long season that you're going to have problems. And I am just saying, and I'm not even sure it's fixable. Like if they were to bring Madden back and let Madden do his own thing and be like, dude, our bad. We're really sorry. We did this whole urgency thing. It clearly didn't work out because we gave you an 82 win team out of a team that you got 95 wins out of the year before I don't even think it would work. I think that they broke whatever that system is. And that makes me sad. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, I
1: think. And now that you and I are kind of hashing this out, it, you know, it, it's hard to to see that um, bringing Madden back and giving him his voice back. I don't think that that something like that works, you know, Um I just, you just feel like the front office has already showed you that they don't, they're not a hundred percent confident in, um, Joe Madden as a manager, especially when they let him ride out a year as a lame duck, like totally that just, you're just taking out whatever confidence your team had in him away. Like that's gone, you know, like basically these guys, while they're, you know, all of them are diving on the sword for Joe Madden. Like, this is not on him. This is on us. They are. And, and like every player sorry. I've
0: heard talk.
1: Yes. You've heard that. You've heard them say that. So yes. to me, it, it just, it it just shows that they kind of all have that feeling like Joe's going to be the one that's going to pay the price because there's one of him and 25 of us. So it just, it sucks. It sucks. And it's sad because this is a man who one day will have a statue outside of Wrigley, but I don't want to see this be the season that he exits on. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he deserves more than that. Like this is just such a bad way for him to, to leave the organization. And, you know, my plan, and I know a couple people have, have kind of heard me out on this and, and didn't think it was a terrible idea, but my thought was, you know, Joe may be ending, go getting to the end of his career. He may want to be done, or he may just feel like he may want to move on from the Cubs in two years, three years, whatever. But why not just sign him for a couple more years get whoever you think is going to take over for him under him for a couple years let him earn the players respect at you know working his way through the management system and then you know have it have it end that way give joe a couple more seasons to to you know leave a leave a lasting i mean he already has obviously left a very lasting um impact with us as a fan base but you want to see him you know, not leave on such a sour note with, with the players. And I just, God, my heart just breaks because I'm just so deathly afraid of what happens in the next couple of days. And honestly, I read just a little while ago and I'm kind of still in shock about it, but he's actually leaving Chicago first thing Monday morning. So whatever is going to happen with him will be known like that soon. So um, he said his talks will happen with Theo, possibly in St. Louis. So, um, it's just really sad, like, and it's gut-wrenching. Like, I really hope that something is figured out and and they can bring him back and give him another chance. But you just don't know how that would work in the clubhouse.
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't think he has anything to prove to the players. I think the players have his back. I think that at this point, I mean, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, they were all out there broken trying to win one for Joe. John Lester has come out and said that he, do- he thinks that Joe did a great job. Ben Zobrist has said that he doesn't think Joe's time should be over. If anything, what this shows is a disconnect between the front office and the team and the management, and that's not great because I don't know how they then bring somebody in who's supposed to unify and make that coherent, right? Like, tr- I don't think Mark Loretta is that guy. I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, and I, I don't know what Loretta's been doing behind the scenes. It's maybe everybody really loves him and trusts him and whatever. I can't imagine he's the guy to like step in and all of a sudden everything is a okay. I don't know who it is. Like I sort of kind of like the David Ross rumor and also sort of kind of don't cause I'm not sure. I love the whole first year manager thing and it feels like throwing David Ross potentially to the wolves a little bit. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. We're going to find out pretty quick what's going to happen here. And it seems like Joe has the heart of the clubhouse with him. And I don't know that they have a much better option, but we're a little bit over before our break. So we're going to take a break. We will talk more about, I don't know. Are we going to talk about this pirate series? Maybe not. Like y'all, y'all know what happened. It was bad. Um, We might talk about that on the other side of the break. We may just continue to talk about things that could happen in the future. But first a word from our sponsors. And we're back. So I hope nobody is super disappointed that we're not play by playing Nico Horner, making a couple of airs or Kyle Hendricks, not making it very far in a gate. That's not fair. He had a no hitter going, you know, plus or minus the airs, but still like, it wasn't great. Um, and the Cubs basically getting swept out of Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh, man, like that's a dysfunctional franchise right now. So getting swept there is pretty much the, that's disastrous. Um, but we figure you all know that. And let's be quite honest, that sweep did not make or break the Cubs season. Um, so we were talking before the break about changes that might be coming for the Chicago Cubs. And one that I want to talk about in particular is an observation that I made. Um, so Addison Russell came off the concussion protocol uh, at the start of the Cardinal series. So right about that time, it was all hands on deck. Rizzo's playing with a sprained ankle and Addison Russell played, zero innings until the cubs were eliminated from the nl central i have thoughts about this andy what do you think that says about addison russell's future with the chicago cubs
1: well i for one am i i I have made comment after comment and um kind of thought and and spoken about what I thought Addison Russell's future was with the Cubs. I have been so wrong so many times much to many people's dismay because it's absolutely ridiculous that he's even still wearing a Cubs uniform. We could go on about that for days upon days. I could go on about that for days upon days. I'm just going to say it's a travesty that he was on this team this season. And I pray to God that his lack of play playing time at this Um, hour of the season and what situation we are. And and now that he's playing, now that we're eliminated, I hope that means that it's Sayonara finally, because this is, this has gone on way too long. I think this is, it's been a distraction and I think it's something that really brought down the, the vibe and um, the mentality of this team. Uh, It's just not something that people need to focus on. And it was a huge focus So to not remove that from, from, you know, the team and, and um, the Chicago Cubs name, it it just, to me was a huge mistake. So hopefully this finally means that he's gone like somehow or some way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he helped his trade value in any way, shape or form this season. So I don't think he's going to get traded for anything except maybe, maybe like some fringe, like single a prospect or something from the late rounds, but I, I think it is pretty clear that the Cubs should non-tender Addison Russell in the offseason if they can't trade him for anything. I can't imagine him getting paid $3.5 million or more next year to continue to do what for this team. I, he He wasn't particularly helpful. He's not a good batter anymore. He hasn't been for multiple seasons, and he's a distraction. So whatever moments he has with his glove that look promising – get made up for with his failure to hit his propensity to throw the ball into random places and make errors and his off the field antics. And I just, I I thought it was pretty telling that once he was available to play and it was very clearly all hands on deck, he was not one of the hands that was called on to do anything. He was not called on to pinch run He was not called on to be a defensive replacement. They had everybody in those games and he was not in them until the Cubs were eliminated. And he was put into the game as a pinch runner. And then at second base for Ben Zobris. Well,
1: let's not forget when you're going down the list of things that he has not done well, let's not forget his lack of um, being able to take responsibility for his mental lapses on the field and everything else. Like, and his horrible quotes that he has, his horrible responses to, to the media when they're asking him about these things, like doesn't me, know the signs, Andy. I mean, it is just insane to me how a professional baseball player a can honestly with a straight face respond to a, a media question that he doesn't know the signs and then seriously not take responsibility for, for errors, for, for heirs. I mean, it's just, it's so exhausting. I'm just over the whole saga. He needs to go. I am ready for that to be over with that needs to be done. It should have been done a long time ago, make it happen, get rid of him. We have much bigger things to worry about than this guy on a daily basis for his nonsense. That doesn't even have really ever have to do with baseball.
0: Yeah. So I think that we're both on the same page there. I mean, I also think that it's worth noting that Nico Horner is better than advertised. I i love this kid i mean i know he had a rough game yesterday we're recording this on thursday night so that was his first air and second air of his career but i mean nico's been really solid in a pretty about as tough of a mental situation as you could get called into uh totally i mean he's handled
1: it with such maturity and such professionalism and if he does not start um which I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't know what this team is going to look like in the spring. So I'm not going to, you know, put the rally cry out for him to to start at the majors, but he definitely should be starting at AAA. I mean, no doubt about that. He handled this assignment with, with such force. I mean, he's definitely made a name for himself at the major league level and he will be here permanently one day soon if they don't see it fit for him to start the season here next year, I definitely see him here, you know, later next year, but he's just, he's been awesome and he's been a breath of fresh air and he has the hustle, you know, he has the natural athleticism. He's obviously been working on his at bats. You can just tell that he does not take a second of his time at the major league level for granted. And that is something that, you know, People overlook and and you know, heart will get you a long way in in some situations. And and he's proven that.
0: Um, so despite the fact that we keep talking about the season um as if it's over, because let's be honest, the Cubs are the Cubs are very, very done. Um, there are three games remaining. Those three games will take place in St. Louis. Um the Cubs will play them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, they start tomorrow night, <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> no,
1: they won't. Sorry. Stop it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, there will a team will be fielded that will wear the Chicago uniform. Um, they will start tomorrow night, Friday night, at seven fifteen PM. The last game of the season will be Sunday at two fifteen PM. That's a weird start time because it's that game that they play all of the games at the same time for drama or whatever. Um, the pitchers listed <laughs> at the moment are I'm clear, I'm in a mood, people. I'm in a mood.
1: You are killing me. This is so great. <laughs>
0: this is not my normal MO. So I'm at it.
1: I need to add something to this though, because I will say, and I did read that Cassianos and Schwarber will be playing this weekend because they're both chasing some pretty big um, milestones. milestones. So that's exciting. I am excited for both of those guys. They have <laughs> they have really, um, really kind of caught fire over the last couple weeks. They're like the the lone bright spots of this season right
0: now. So, yeah. So let's do probable pitchers for a second. I did actually look up the probable pitchers. Alec Pills is facing <laughs> Dakota Hudson tomorrow on Friday. Cole Hamels versus Adam Wainwright in the 2012 Cy Young Award contenders match rematch um tbd versus tbd on sunday um do you know why that is i actually know why that is on the cardinals part why tell me
1: um because (laughs) they're gonna hold out their ace just in case they're in a situation where they absolutely must win like if for some reason the cardinals and um and milwaukee are tied Going into Sunday, they will pitch Jack Flaherty on Sunday in a must-win Man, that's, situation.
0: That's like some crazy hate watching going on right there. Um, as a preview, <laughs> I am working on a how your guide to hate watching the postseason as a Cubs fan. I may just do a preview that's like your guide to hate watching Cardinals and Brewers this weekend. Because <laughs> even though we all obviously want the Cubs to win, because even when they can't win win, we want and get to the postseason, we want them to win. Like I am getting a little jazzed about what is maybe my favorite Joe Madden quote of all time. Oh my gosh. When he was asked, did you see this? (laughs) Yes. I love where you're going with this. Yes. Okay. This is the greatest thing ever. So Joe Madden was asked about um, being the, like the fact that the Cubs might not put their best lineup out this weekend because they're done and some people are hurt and whatever and how the Brewers, would be really mad about that because that means that the Cubs would have less of a chance to beat St. Louis, and that would hurt the Brewers' chances of catching the Cardinals. And so Paul Sullivan reports that Madden's uh, quote was, and, and I'm going to have to edit this slightly because we are, a, um, we are a family-friendly podcast, but his quote was that the Brewers can start their Bleeping now. Of course, they're going to bleep, and I get it. But quite frankly, there are certain things I really don't give a bleep about, and that would be one of them. That is, <laughs> that amazing.
1: I, that Madden is, is done, amazing. Madden is done, y'all. Madden is done. That is amazing. That sounds like I've had it with you people. <laughs> I'm picturing Madden like going like around the room, and I don't know who does this comedy skit, but it's hilarious where it's like, Blank you. Blank you. Blank you. You're, you're cool. cool. Blank yes. you. Blank you. You're cool.
0: Uh, yes. Oh, my God. Some talented person with gifts and or memes or whatever. Get <laughs> Andy and I are not the graphics girls. Somebody get this done. But you're cool. F you. F you. F you. Meme with Joe Madden on the way out the door has got to happen. Yes. I see him like walking out of the door backwards <laughs> with his
1: birds like flying. You know, make like- it
0: happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. Um, so great. So yeah, so Joe has Joe has ran out of cares to give and frankly I I get it. Like I don't blame him. Um
1: I'm definitely so, on that boat, Joe. I'm on that boat with you, sir.
0: So I will yeah, I'll be watching. I, look, Alec Mills had a nice start the other day. I he could do it again. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I would love to see Cassiano's get to 60 doubles. I would love to see Kyle Schwarber hit a few more home runs. That would be great. Um but I, I'm going to be more watching for that and just watching the Cubs because I love them than anything else. Oh, and the one thing that I really want to talk about in this podcast that, frankly, I we should have we should have led with this. It should not have been like the thing we end on, but may, maybe it being the thing we end on is appropriate. Um, so tomorrow on Friday is the final game ever that will be aired on WGN. The Cubs started airing games on WGN in 1948. They first televised exhibition games against the White Sox in like a Crosstown Classic type of thing. And then their first game was that they, their first regular season game that they aired on WGN was on April 23rd, 1948 against the St. Louis Cardinals. They lost that game one to nothing. Al has a really great series running about this uh, on BCB. Right now. So if you've not checked that out, please go to Bleed Cubby Blue and read it. It's a five part series. It's outstanding. Um, and that all comes to an end on Friday, September 27th. The last WGN telecast will air. If you're out of market and out of the blackout zone, you should be able to get that broadcast on your TV on MLB.tv. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching that and doing a little bit of crying about it, not gonna lie.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys have heard us talk a little bit about this um, this moment that is coming up. I know we had talked about WGN broadcasting the final game at Wrigley, which was a tough day. It just seems so final, and that's so that's hard. You know, that's really that's tough, especially when you think about how long it's gone on for. Um, it, it just it's crazy to me. Like, I, I actually had a conversation with my dad um this past weekend and we were talking about um I don't know how we got on this topic but we were talking about all the different times that he and I have watched games together and I get a lot of um the sports fan that I am from him and he you know he was the one that taught me about football and basketball but baseball was kind of like Um, the backbone of us, you know, that was what we did. It was the majority of the year. And, and, you know, we had a place in our home that we watched. And one thing that I will never forget is sitting there watching WGN with my dad and watching the opening um, WGN, like um, kind of highlight reel that they would do before the game would start. And, you know, I remember Steve Stone and Harry Carey, popping up on the screen and, you know, going through and you can hear the sounds of the of Wrigley in the background. And it's just such such a a vivid memory. And it's something that like I will never forget. It's 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 engraved in my mind and something that is crazy to me. And I look forward to um, and I'm trying to keep it positive because I know Sarah is probably getting emotional. I'm getting emotional um, (laughs) is, you know, making new memories on this new network with my daughters because you know, you, you can't ever, you'd you never, you know, don't be sad that it's ever be happy that it happened. That's the way that you have to look at it. And we are a fan base that is so extremely lucky to have had, you know, the memories, everybody I'm sure that is listening to this has memories with WGN in some way, shape or form, you know, and across the country people have gotten to become diehard cut fans because of WGN um, and that's I I you know that's why we travel so well. Uh, every place you go, you always see a large contingent of Cubs fans, and and I guarantee that half of their stories are thanking WGN for that. So let's look at it this way: WGN was the reason that many of us were Cubs fans, you know, and we have a lot of great memories. But you know, the, the marquee network that's coming next year will be the reason why a next generation of of people are such huge Cub fans. And it will bring different personalities and it will bring different people in into the Cubs world. So it is something, you know, positive to to kind of look forward to. While it will never be WGN, we will always have that. We'll still have those memories, you know, and, and just just remember, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy it happened because we have that. And and that's pretty amazing. Pretty awesome. There's a lot of things that go with that. So, yes, tomorrow is going to be sad. But, you know, always just keep in the back of your mind, there will be new memories to be made with a new network and a new generation of, of people that will be watching Cubs baseball on this new network. So there's that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I am a little bit bummed. Um, I mean, it's hard not to be. I just think about watching this team growing up as a kid and how I fell in love with them all the way out in the middle of nowhere, Utah. Um, and tomorrow's going to be a little sad. I'm not going to lie. I'll probably be crying on my couch as I'm tweeting about the game. But I know that it's not like we're not going to be able to watch the Cubs. It's just going to be different to not be able to catch them on WGN like we have saying so many hundreds of times over the years. So, um, again, check out Al's uh, retrospective on that if you haven't already. It's it's quite good. There's a lot of good information there. And um, you can also come join... Me, uh, Danny Rocket, and some other Cubs uh, people and podcasters at the G Man Tavern this Sunday. We're going to end the season by taking a look back at what happened in 2019 and where we're going forward. We'll do a live podcast. Uh, we'll be watching the Bears game. We'll be definitely drinking some beers and toasting 2019. Um, and so again, that is on Sunday at the G-Man Tavern. If you're in the Chicago area, as always, you can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah on Twitter. You can find Andy at at B-R-Y-Z underscore blue. And you can find both of us at at Cup of Cubby Blue. We will talk to you again um, on Sunday. Have a good one. Bye.